Welcome to Companion Pass. I'm thrilled to have you along on this wild ride as we explore the untamed world of rodeo life and the families and supporters that make it all happen. From thrilling arena action to quiet moments behind the scenes, this podcast is your ticket to the heart of true rodeo life. I'm Lindsay Branquino, and as a rodeo wife and mom myself, I've experienced firsthand the joys and challenges of life in and around rodeo. Together, we'll dive deep with rodeo families, rodeo athletes, and other folks who are living and breathing the Western way of life. We'll explore topics like raising families while husbands are away, navigating the dangers of a professional rodeo career, keeping a relationship alive when you're hundreds of miles apart, and what it takes to pursue your own goals in the midst of it all. Whether you're part of a rodeo family, a fan, or just someone who loves Western culture, Companion Pass will give you all the real, unfiltered insights you've been looking for. Let's dig in. Welcome back to Companion Pass for our second episode. My guest today is none other than Janie Finlay. You may know her as Janie Johnson. The change is semi-recent, which we'll talk about. And you've probably seen her on your TV screens if you're any type of rodeo fan at all because she is the beautiful face on the Cowboy Channel. Janie, thanks so much for being here with us today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. I've been a huge fan of Companion Pass since you came up with your first one years ago, and I'm excited to do the podcast because I don't know how to write, but I can talk. (laughs) And I'm thankful for that because I'm a much better writer than a talker. So I've invited you here as the professional, and I expect you to carry both of us through this interview. No pressure. (laughs) No pressure at all. So like I mentioned, a lot of people know you from the Cowboy Channel. You've been doing the interviews. I know you've done a lot of work for them in a lot of different aspects, which you can tell us about. But um, what some people may not know about you is that you come from a very long line of rodeo cowboys and cowgirls. So you grew up really in this world. I mean, there is when I was going like looking through what we were going to talk about today, there's really no aspect of rodeo life that you haven't lived, which I think is amazing. And I am hoping that you can offer a look at what life has been through those different stages for you. So your dad, Clint, is a four-time world champion saddle bronc rider, right? Yes, yes, he is. So I got that kind of side of things. I have kind of a wild uh, family relation to rodeo, kind of like as you said. My dad is from South Dakota, rodeo, not really a rodeo family. They raise sheep in South Dakota, and he's the youngest of eight kids. Eight? <laughs> yeah, eight oh kids. <laughs> yeah, so he's the, he was the baby of eight. So he's, you know, the coolest guy on the planet. But uh, he's a saddle bronc rider. He loves saddle bronc riding. My husband's a saddle bronc rider. You know, I don't think that was an accident. But then there's kind of the other side of my family's history is my mom's side. And everybody doesn't really know about my mom's side. It's not like it's a secret. It's just not as out there. Um, Her grandpa was Benny Binion, who started one of the first casinos in Las Vegas that was responsible for bringing the NFR to Las Vegas. So if you're from Oklahoma City, I'm really sorry. But uh, if you like the NFR in Las Vegas, that's kind of my mom's rodeo side of the connection. And she grew up uh, with cutting horses and all that in Texas. So that's amazing. I mean, we basically have your family to thank for uh, that fun 10 days. Everybody gets to go wild in Vegas. Well, I don't know about that, but it's funny because when you say that I like grew up in every aspect of the rodeo industry, when I was a kid, like I didn't, I wasn't as interested in rodeo and 
all of that. Of course, we grew up on the ranch and I, I loved it, but I wanted to do other things. My parents never really pushed me to do rodeo or horses. And so I'd say until I was like 13 years old, maybe 12, I really didn't participate in much of it. And then all of a sudden I just fell in love with one horse and here we are. I mean, one horse can change everything. That's for sure. So what, I mean, what was that like though, with you growing up, having a dad that, I mean, obviously was gone a lot if he rodeoed that extensively for that long. I mean, were you like, what years of your life growing up, was he gone the most? I actually got so lucky in this. My dad actually retired um, the year my brother was born. So I didn't really know my dad as a rodeo guy. I just knew him as a rancher. So I we never had to live with him away, which is so unique in rodeo. He retired pretty young just because he wanted to be home. And uh, so I grew up, we went to rodeos and we were involved in it, but never with him competing. I never got to saw him, see him ride. Really? Uh, that's kind of yeah. amazing. So, I mean, at what point then growing up, did you kind of become more aware that like my dad's sort of a badass? <laughs> <laughs> I guess pretty early. But the thing about if anybody knows my dad, everybody's always like, how did you come from your parents? Because <laughs> they're the sweetest, kindest, quiet. My parents are quiet people. Um, extremely humble, especially my dad, extremely humble. And I'm obviously a talker and very loud and in everybody's face. But uh, yeah, so I guess pretty early on, just he's pretty stoic. I actually grew up going to cuttings. My mom and my grandma and my dad showed cutting horses. So we were at a cutting every single weekend as a kid for most of my life. And I was just kind of always hanging out with the other kids. And then I showed a little bit too when I was younger. That's really cool. So then you fall in love with the one horse that you've talked about and was it at that point that you started rodeoing yourself, like junior high or high school rodeoing? I junior high and high school rodeoed on just kind of like horses that we had at the ranch that we kind of taught on barrels and goat tying and all that and just didn't take it too seriously. It was fun. It was kind of a social thing. And then whenever I was in high school, we got this horse that um, was actually trained by Jordan Briggs. It was Jordan Briggs' high school rodeo horse. <laughs> His name was Vegas, and uh, we didn't get it from Jordan. We got it through different people, and then I found out that, like, in that horse's long history, it went back to Jordan, and so I randomly called her on the phone, and we went to her house, and she helped me. She's amazing, and then it came time to go to college, and I thought I wanted to be in the film industry. I thought I wanted to produce films, direct films. I love movies. That's what I just was obsessed with growing up, and... I looked at colleges in California. Hey, hey. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and my mom and took me out to colleges to look at and everything. And she's like, "Okay, if you're gonna go to California, that's great, but you're gonna have to sell your horse because we're not just gonna keep him for no reason." And I was like, "What? I can't do that." So I stayed in Texas and I college rodeoed at the University of Texas at Austin. I was the lone Longhorn. They don't have a rodeo team. <laughs> if anybody follows the University of Texas, no rodeo team. But I just college rodeo as an independent and still went to film school. Wow. But somehow always came back to the horses. Uh, and I thought, there's no way that this is ever going to be a career because none of that existed. Cowboy Channel didn't exist. I think CBS Sports covered a few rodeos a year. And so I just kind of took where it went, where it led, really. I didn't know where all I was going to go. Yeah. 
but I didn't sell my horse. <laughs> you know, it's really funny that you tell that story because I too, I was, you know, grew up in Arizona and I went to a small junior college. I started at a small junior college who also didn't have a rodeo team. So I was rodeoing in college independently as well. And there was, it was at that point going into college where I was at a little bit of a crossroads myself, like not knowing exactly what I wanted to do and thinking I wanted to go into a career that was very outside of anything like horse or rodeo related. And I feel like I was faced with the exact same decision that you were there. Whereas I, when I really stopped and thought about that part of my life being closed for at least a while and how differently the path ahead of me looked um, or how far away it was going to take me for that. I was like, nope, never mind. <laughs> Can't do it. But it's so true. It is. It's like a pull that is constantly pulling on anybody who's raised in this lifestyle. You think you want to try other things. And I'm really, really lucky that I had parents that didn't push me either way. If I wanted to try other things, they were all about it. My mom drove me to musical rehearsal. I did film schools. I went to summer camp for film schools and all kinds of random activities. I was always doing random ballet, tennis, all the random things. But they let me try it. And then something about God just always pulls you back to where you're supposed to be. It's so true. And I think, you know, I've said this in different places before, but I think that when you're kind of raised in this lifestyle, and this certainly isn't like everyone across the board, but I think so many of us, it just becomes like really a part of who you are. And it it's really hard to completely leave that behind. I mean, I don't, I don't really think you can, even if you take a path that's really separately, it is just kind of always, always part of you and kind of informs the rest of your life choices, right? No, it really, it really does. For me, it's always been about the animals. Like, having horses is not an easy thing to have. It's a constant living thing, but you can't just take care of horses. If you want a rodeo, they have to be in the best shape. They have to be so happy if you ever want to win anything. And it's just, you know, it's the most important thing for me in every aspect. That was what drew me into the cowboy channel thing. I love the animals. It's just my favorite part. Yeah, I think that's really obvious too. I think that really comes across and like how when when I listen to you talk about like say the barrel race and you really know and understand these girls' horses and you give a lot of insight that's really clear, even for somebody who may not know much about it, it's easy to understand and it really comes across like how much you genuinely love it. Oh, well, thank you so much. And I've been so lucky because whenever I got that gig to go do the NFR barrel race, it was actually in 2020 and I wasn't supposed to have that job. It was round four and my producer texted me and said, Hey, will you be ready to call the barrel race tonight? And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> I remember that night because Luke was, was doing the broadcast too. And I remember seeing you before that and you were like, Oh my gosh, right before it went on. And you were so nervous and you nailed it, of course. But I can remember that night. I didn't know because even my producer kind of didn't say you're doing it. He said, just like, be prepared just in case. And I walked over. He's And so I got mic'd up and I walked over to Joe B who had called the barrel race. And I go, Joe, am I supposed to do the barrels? And he's like, I have no idea. Are you? And I was like, I was told to be on standby. And he's like, well, get on up there. Go like you got it. 
But it was exciting because on the drive, I'd done tailgate show. And my favorite part about my job is I got to call all the barrel. I was texting and calling all the barrel racers to just get something. And I've never really had an excuse to get to call all the top 15 barrel racers. So that was fun. Yeah. Now you got all their numbers in your phone. You can use those anytime. Yeah. I'm, I'm their biggest fan. Just like ask them for some personal advice and just tell them it's for the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just really ask them all kinds of questions. They're like, is this relevant? I'll be like, yeah, it's relevant to the show. It's, it's research. I need to do this. <laughs> I really want people to get to know you. <laughs> so you find yourself working for the Cowboy Channel. You still have your horses and you know, you're doing all that. Like, how do you find, cause like you touched on, it's, it's so much work. How do you find that balance between a career that's maybe taking you time, you're, you're traveling with the Cowboy Channel and stuff, and then maintaining that, which is so demanding on somebody time-wise? That is kind of the golden question. I've been trying to ask myself that for the past uh, three years. So even before I did Cowboy Channel, I used to work for Ride TV and PBR Velocity Tour, which traveled, I think we did 65 shows a year, maybe a few more than that. And so I traveled for years before Cowboy Channel and then did three years at Cowboy Channel. The thing about Cowboy Channel is it's growing constantly. It's getting bigger. We're adding more rodeos. I don't know if we just had an announcement that they're adding like 150 more up to 900 performances a year, Wow! which is really exciting for the industry, but it is hard when there's not a lot of us. And so it was hard. I uh, The first year was COVID, was 2020. And I still barrel raced and rodeoed because all the big ones were canceled and I could kind of even run barrels while working. I did that a couple times. I'd like sneak <laughs> off before for the barrel race and then like run back in time for the bull riding interview. I did that That's a couple like times. That's like the ultimate juggling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My horses were like, what is going on? <laughs> um, but then this last year with everything being so busy, I didn't even realize it until about a month ago that I haven't I hadn't ran barrels in about a year. I had my horses and I'd like ride them when I could, but I hadn't had time to go to a jackpot or anything. And I made my first jackpot run in a year the other day. And I was I didn't even realize it had been that long. And that just kind of shows that I wasn't that great at the balance thing. But um, I'm working on that. I'm kind of making a few changes this year and um, hoping to have time for some horses and the ranching. You know, whenever I've been away, I moved to Weatherford, which I love Weatherford. What a great place. You know, you're kind of close. Yeah. It's a wonderful area. But I grew up in Canyon, Texas, which is just outside of Amarillo. And we run a cattle ranch up here. And um, my grandma has a ranch on the rim of Powder Canyon. And she just passed away this last summer which was really hard on our family. She was kind of like my second mom more than a grandma. Yeah. She was awesome. And so I'm wanting to kind of get back to that just a little bit. I feel like I've been so busy my whole life of doing all these other things and I've never really had the time to settle in and kind of appreciate ranching and the lifestyle that we have. And I'm wanting to try to find that more this year. So are you going to be doing, spending more of your time and energy there, like focusing on that kind of going back to the ranching side of things then? Yeah, it's something that's been pulling at me. You know, I've been having this constant pull, it seems like my whole life, but it really has been pulling at me this last year. Um, I'm hoping to still do events and things for Cowboy Channel, but it's not going to be as much. I've had a lot of people notice that I haven't been on there as much lately. I'm actually in Canyon right now at the ranch. 
And I've been riding every day and helping my dad move cows. And my husband's been up here. He loves it. He grew up on a ranch. That's kind of his lifestyle that he loves. And so we're going to try and uh, just kind of figure it out day by day. But it's been really fun so far. But it is something that's been pulling me for a while. I love that. And I think, you know, like we lived on a big ranch in in California and and raised cows and calves and all that. And it really is so family oriented. Like when you talk about a family business, I just think that that's got to be like the epitome of a family business, the way everybody pitches in and the way you work together. And there's a job for everybody. It doesn't matter who you are, how young, how old, you know, male, female, whatever, it doesn't matter. And you're going back and working with your family again. And I'm sure that's that's nice for you. It, when you lose somebody so important, like you're talking about your grandma, and it leaves such a hole in, in your lives, I'm sure that being able to kind of come together like that has got to be, one, a really great feeling for everybody. And two, probably makes you feel, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Does it help with that a little bit, I guess, is what I'm trying to say? Well, something that I've been thinking about a lot this last year is I think about my grandmother a lot. And she grew up in Las Vegas with her. Her dad was Benny Benny and they did the casino. So she grew up at the casino and he had a ranch in Montana that he was able to buy kind of later on. And so she didn't she hated Las Vegas and hated the casino. She didn't hate it, but she she didn't love the city life. She wanted to right. be at the ranch. And she made a lot of decisions in her life that continued to pull her towards that lifestyle. She chose to live at the ranch in Montana. And then she chose to move to Texas because she loved cutting horses and the ranching. And then it's her ranch here. And it was just like her whole life and every decision she made pulled her towards the Western lifestyle. And it's kind of funny how that gets passed down through generations because no other members of her side of the family are into the Western lifestyle or ranching really? at all. No, not a, even a little bit. And so it's just something that she loved and it's completely changed our whole family's lives. I mean, everything that we have yeah. is because of those decisions that she made. And I don't want to be the one that messes that up for future generations. <laughs> I have so much confidence in you that you won't do that. <laughs> but it sounds like in a lot of ways what you've talked about up until now, like you're following in her in her footsteps a lot in that, you know, you keep being pulled pulled back to it, which I think is pretty awesome. It's a great lifestyle. And it's still fun to go to rodeos and I'll be at Calgary and all that and good rodeos. And I'm not going to disappear, but we'll just see. I'm kind of taking everything very much day by day. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that in the lifestyle we live that taking things day by day, you really don't have any other choice most of the time, but to do that. <laughs> Planning is very difficult in any kind of Western radio lifestyle. Yeah. So switching gears a little bit, I think you're still a newlywed. Like how long does somebody qualify as a newlywed? I say you get a year. I don't know if that's a rule, yeah. but that's my rule. And uh, I was actually talking to Lily Hay a while back and she said that you get a year. And when your year is yeah. over, you're not a newlywed anymore. I think we officially make that a rule. You're a newlywed for a year. So you are a newlywed. Um, tell us all about everything. Jake is the absolute best. I know everybody says that, but at least I really love the guy. Uh, <laughs> everybody says that about their significant other. Um, he's from Australia, which is kind of a unique thing. Uh, he came over here. He's been over here for, I think, eight years now, seven, eight years. 
and um, he came over here by himself to go to Goodwill, Oklahoma, OPSU, which I still will never understand. What an amazing school. <laughs> but I got to go to Australia for Christmas and see where he grew up on the Gold Coast. He went to boarding school right on the ocean. Was that the first time you'd been to Australia? Yeah. I mean, what a risk, right? I never even see where he grew up before we got married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I went to Australia once with Luke. He has done some schools down there and I went with him and I'm not going to lie. The entire time I was there, I felt like at any moment I could be killed because my perception going into Australia is that basically everything there is poisonous, is, is lethal, it's poisonous and it's going to kill you. So every time I saw anything, I was like, that's it. This is, I'm saying my final goodbyes. And luckily I did make it out alive, but not without a lot of stress the whole time. I know time. exactly what you mean. They have the craziest looking animals, like these big blue lizards, and they talk about the yeah. snakes constantly. I w- I'm with you on that. And, and it wasn't one of those things where you hear that and then you go there and you're like, oh, I didn't see anything. Like, you see it. It's there. And it does. It's like you said, it looks, it looks deadly. It really does. Yeah. No, they definitely do. Especially where his family is. Cause we went to the, he grew up in boarding, going to boarding school on this beautiful, in the middle of downtown gold coast, this fabulous, very Harry Potter esque boarding school <laughs> that I just could not believe that he went there, but he grew up kind of in the outback. I know that's lame to say, but that's technically what it was. It was the outback. Yeah. And so it was like two extremes. When I saw where he grew up, I was like, okay, it makes sense that you ended up in Goodwill, Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of more, I would say, the area that we were in. It was definitely more rural when we were out there. And it felt like what I would have imagined the Wild West was, you know, yeah. just like it kind of feels like that when you go down there. And so this is my very funny Australia story. That's only embarrassing to me. We were at these people's house kind of out there. It was pretty flat. There wasn't like a ton of trees or anything. And then, so we were there all day long where Luke's doing the schools. There's a whole bunch of like very rough and rugged men out there, just like the manliest of all men, right? Yes. School gets over for the day. We have this like little barbecue, like barbecue. Everybody's there. And then we go to leave these wonderful people's house and it's dark. And so there's like a, f- a floodlight that comes on when we walk out the door out of the porch. And I pause. I'm like, what, what is moving on the ground? The entire ground looks like it's moving. And there's just enough light for me to see that the entire ground, and I'm not joking, there had to have been hundreds of them, were these toads that were the size (laughs) of a dinner plate. None of this is an exaggeration. And they were everywhere, just like as far as they had emerged from the ground when the sun went down. And frogs are probably my biggest fear, which is ridiculous. But I hate frogs so much because they jump. You don't know where they're going to go. It's unpredictable. And I shamelessly made Luke carry me to the car. And every one of those rough and rugged men were laughing at us. And I can't go back to Australia because of that. You can't go back. You have a reputation now. I do. They're like, it was the ridiculous frog girl. It was so dramatic. But it was it was horrifying. That lives in my nightmares 10 years later. Mine is the lizards. We have like this little house that we stayed in just down from his parents' house. And there was this lizard that just somehow kept getting in. And I, uh, Jake thought it was cool and he tried to catch it. And I'm like, how is it getting in here? It knows we're here. It knows when we're vulnerable. 
It's after yes. us. It was the crate. It was this massive, like scaly lizard thing. I guess it was a blue tongue lizard. I don't know, but you probably had to take turns sleeping so one of you could watch the lizard, right? Yeah, it was. Well, he didn't care. He was like, "Hey, he can get in bed with us. Cuddle up. Let's go." New pet. I think all of this to say, if you, he must be very tough because it's got it's like survival of the fittest down there. If he made it out alive. He is tough. That's one of like my favorite things about Jake is he's very independent and he kind of handles his own stuff. He, you know, he can't, it takes a lot. I can't even imagine here. I complain about moving six hours to Weatherford. He had to yeah. move completely across the entire world to come over here as a teenager and try to figure out how to ride Bronx. And I know there's a lot of Australians that do it, but I think people forget how kind of crazy and difficult that is. But it also shows how deep-rooted you can really have a love for rodeo. I mean, he's you got to really like it. Yeah, yeah. And you've really got to want something like that. I mean, what he's giving up. And we've had a few different guys from Australia um, come and stay with us over the years for kind of extended periods of time. And A, they're a ton of fun. They're yes. the nicest people. They're so hardworking. Like, we always loved having them around. It was great. But when you hear about what it takes to to come over and them even wanting to get back to see family and how long they're away and all of that. I mean, it's a huge sacrifice in and of itself just to to make that leap. So they're so laid back, though. I feel like most Australians are really laid back and they don't seem to get stressed about everything. I get stressed yeah. for him about everything that's happening, <laughs> but they they stay cool. I think that's maybe one of the things I like. We balance each other in that way. Yeah. Do you find that there are there like I think because it's like another English speaking country and stuff, we don't think as much about the cultural differences. Are are there things that you found throughout your relationship where you're like, oh, wait, like you're not on the same wavelength about things or funny little um, something? And I don't know if this is an Australian thing. This might just be like a country guy thing. <laughs> Jake likes to butcher his own meat, which is really like manly thing to do. But that's what his family oh. did. They raised uh, cattle and sheep. And like when I first got to Australia, they have cold rooms, like massive refrigerator things, which we have those over here, but it's really yeah. common to have them at your house. And his mom's like, Oh, can you go get like some salad or something out of the cold room? There's this massive lamb carcass that Jake just like butchered <laughs> that morning. I'm like, Oh, and they love to do, he loves to do that. He is really good at it, which is weird, but also a very useful skill. If there's an apocalypse or yeah. anything, like we're ready, we're prepared. I know who I'm calling then for sure. It's wild, but I also think it's kind of cool at the same time. Like it's a useful skill. Oh, it's super <laughs> cool. Yeah. And kind of, I mean, kind of a dying skill too. It's it's hard to to find that. I don't think there's that many people that are like grow up and their their dream is to become a butcher, right? A lot of Australians know how to do it. I'm sure there's Americans too, but a lot of Australians can butcher their own meat if, if they need to. I love a useful man. I know. So <laughs> how did you guys meet? Okay, so it's kind of like there's two different stories to it, but there's a bronc rider named Jake Watson. I will always give him credit, and he's a friend of mine, and he called me or texted me. I was working with PBR and Ride TV at the time, so I was flying in and out everywhere every weekend, and I was on uh, in an airport, and Jake Watson texted me, hey, I need to take this horse to the vet in Amarillo. Can I come by? and keep him there. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll get home later tonight, but you know what to do. Like go put the horse up. And so I get home, I'm in like my sweatpants. It was a long weekend of TV stuff. And 
Jake Finley was with Jake Watson. He's like, oh, this is my friend Jake Finley. And I had I had known who he was. I'd actually met him at the Cowboy Downhill like a couple months before that. But, you know, it was just kind of in passing, hey, hi, hello. And um, we go, they're like, we're going to go to the Big Texan. I don't know if you guys have probably all seen the signs for the Big Texan 72-ounce steak <laughs> on the, oh, the yeah. billboards in Amarillo. One of their friends had won a team roping and was taking everyone out to the Big Texan. And it was St. Patrick's Day. And so we're like, okay, I'll go. You know, I don't know any of you people, but whatever, we'll go. So I go to the Big Texan and my friend Holly showed up with her husband. And I remember looking at her and I said to Holly, I go, is it me or is Salsa gotten like really attractive? (laughs) Because everybody calls him Salsa. He's redheaded. I go, has he gotten like, (laughs) he's gotten like really attractive, hasn't he? And she's like, he is so not boyfriend material. (laughs) And to this day, Jake gives her such a hard time about that every year. He's like, not boyfriend material, huh, Holly? Yeah. (laughs) And in her defense, he probably really wasn't up until that point. (laughs) But I was like, yeah, yeah, no, of course, of course. I don't mean like that. I just meant he's cute. Like, he's a cute guy. Rodeo cowboys are never boyfriend material until they are boyfriend material. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) And it was so funny. And he sat next to me at dinner and we just kind of started talking and everybody kind of, you know, went and did their own thing and we just kept hanging out. And then, you know, he got my Snapchat. That's the world we live in. Yeah, I know. He started sending me. I feel like that shows the general generational difference between you and I that he got your Snapchat. And when Luke and I met, he wrote my phone number on the back of a checkbook. See, I know. What a (laughs) what a lost art. Kids don't kids don't like nobody even writes checks anymore, like actual physical checks. I know, because if you ask somebody for their number now, it'd be like, oh, my gosh, way too far. You know, (laughs) you took it too far too much too soon oh wait are numbers more serious than snapchat oh yeah is oh yeah oh so snapchat's like the gateway to a phone number yeah you gotta be ready for this you've got you've got kids you know and it's gonna be in the snapchat is first step i'm getting a little taste of this because oh he's gonna kill me (laughs) but he doesn't listen to podcasts that'll be fine our oldest Cade is 14 so he's becoming like aware interested in girls of course and then I keep finding myself using the wrong words, like, are you dating or, or is she your girlfriend or whatever? And I am getting a crash course in terms. And there there is like a whole sequence of things. Like you talk first. You're just yes, talking. Yes, you're just talking. You're just talking. And Snapchatting doesn't even really qualify as talking. Snapchatting is okay. real. And I'm pretty sure... That when he was, he's going to kill me for this too, actually, now that I think about this. <laughs> he would like Snapchat me, but very generic Snapchats, which is kind of where he could be sending it to lots of people. It wasn't like yeah. specifically to me. It was like, oh, you're just, you're just in like my list of people that I send several Snapchats to. Yeah. So I didn't even respond to most of them because I'm like, this wasn't to me. I'm just getting like the blanket Snapchat that you send to everybody. Right. And I think I, I later on, I found out that wasn't the case. He was sending them just to me, but... <laughs> they just you know didn't want to seem too forward so he was just playing it cool yeah just playing it cool I love that. the best part is that I found this photo from the cowboy downhill and I don't know if you've ever been have you been to the cowboy downhill I've actually never been what? every time I've been to Denver I've never been able to stay long enough or been up at the right time or Luke and you know how fragile Luke is like he can't take the risk and no. ski are you kidding no yeah. I understand <laughs> I went with my parents for some reason and had a big old time and met Jake 
but didn't really like remember it. Like don't really remember interacting with it too much. And then I found this like big group photo, like all of the, all of us took a big group photo at the downhill and Jake is sitting right next to me with his like arms around me in the photo. Seriously? And I'm like, I found it like a year later and I was like, you look, there you are. I didn't even realize you that you did that. With me. I didn't even realize that you did that. And he's like, don't show anybody that photo. I love that. That's what will make like the cover art for this episode is that picture just cropped to the of two him of you. just like hugging me. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So how long did you guys date then before you got engaged or married? Um, so we did, we're at four years as of St. Patrick's Day. So about three and a half years we dated. You mentioned you were traveling a lot for work and he's obviously traveling a ton for rodeo. So how did you guys, I mean, how'd you make that work? The first year that we were together, I was still with uh, PBR and Ride TV. But I remember when he kind of left for that first summer, and it was the early parts of dating, as we met in late March. He came to our family branding in May, and that was when I got the will you be my girlfriend thing. Okay, so we've moved on from Snapchatting. This is yes, more serious. we're texting, yeah. and he came to my family's house for Easter, but we're still talking at this point. And then I got the official girlfriend boyfriend thing in May after of, at the family branding. But that's right before the summer run. Like, what a horrible time to start dating yeah. in rodeo. So I just remember being so scared. Like, oh no, like I'm not going to see him. Who knows what's going to happen? Like, this is not going to work. But somehow we just made it work. I was rodeoing at the time. So when I was with PBR and, and Ride TV, it was uh, all year except for the summer. You basically got the whole summer off. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go run barrels. And I went to Canada and ran barrels and had the best time of my whole life and uh, actually saw him quite a bit. You know, when you're on the road, if you're rodeoing too, it's kind of easy to run into him. It's always like, you know, one day here, one day there. Yeah. But he's independent and so am I. So it wasn't too big of a deal to be distant because it's early. I remember whenever I got the job with Cowboy Channel, though, and I kind of had to call him and I was happy and sad at the same time, like, I'm going to have to move. I don't know where I'm going to live. I'm just going to go stay in my friend's bedroom and like, hopefully we can make this work because we were like a year in. So you know that you really love somebody. And he I'm like, I don't want this to ruin our relationship. Like, I was so scared that it was going to mess things up, you know? And he was like, we'll make it work. Like, we'll do whatever. I don't want to move to Fort Worth, but I will still see you and we'll just take it day by day. And so I lived in my friend's bedroom, Tassie's bedroom for six months. The first six months I was at Cowboy Channel and it was 2020 and everybody was navigating crazy stuff. So you just do. And then when I was with Cowboy Channel, I'd see him kind of a lot at rodeos that I was working you know, I'd be in Reno for two weeks, but then he'd show up for, you know, a day or two out of there. It was just always a day or right. two while I was working. And somehow I'd end up having like a bunch of random cowboys that have to sleep on the floor in my hotel room because they <laughs> just in, they get in at three in the morning and they're leaving at nine the next day. That happens a lot. I didn't realize yeah. how much that was going to happen. <laughs> I think that seems to be a common running theme with anybody I've ever talked about. And I know in my experience, too, that if you are dating or married to a rodeo cowboy, like you get more than one. It's kind of a package deal. Like there's always others hanging around, which I mean, is it really is a ton of fun, but you're not just dating one. Yeah, you just get used to it. Like you just get used to knowing like, OK, I'm going to pack sweatpants because I don't know who all is going to stay in the, the floor of this <laughs> hotel room for, you know, three hours 
or just show up to take a shower and yeah it it is fun though it's it's a big family and it's not weird it's really not weird I don't know how to explain to city people that it's not weird because everybody just needs to do their own thing and they're in and out and then they're gone yeah. I mean, I, I, that's one of the things, you know, living in California for so long, we weren't surrounded by a lot of people that lived a similar lifestyle. Like I certainly, there wasn't other rodeo cowboys. And I mean, we lived in an area that was ranching and, and things like that, but there wasn't a whole lot. So I, the majority of the people I met were people that had no idea what what a rodeo they didn't think you know you say your husband's a professional rodeo cowboy and they're like well I didn't know that's a profession you know like they're picturing the Marlboro man I'm like no no you're like (laughs) kind of (laughs) (laughs) that's giving Luke a lot of credit um but so so like you said like you try to explain these concepts that seem pretty normal to us because it's just kind of what you know and to everybody else it's so foreign of a concept that you can't there, there really isn't a way to help them to understand like this, this is normal and it is just a big family and that you have some guy passing through that's you know, going to sleep on the floor or like Luke and I, when we got married and just like a month later, the, the new year started. And so we were jumped in the trailer to travel as newlyweds and there was, you know, three other bulldoggers with us. So (laughs) that's how we're living as newlyweds. And it just kind of, and that's not unique to us. I mean, I feel like the majority of people living this lifestyle are kind of experiencing that, right? Yeah, even the night of our wedding. So we actually got married at my family's ranch in Canyon. So it was just right outside the house that I grew up in out in the pasture. And everybody, a lot of campers and stuff were out here. And we were going to stay in my parents' little bunkhouse. It was going to be our, our honeymoon suite, if you will. Well, we didn't go to bed till like 530 in the morning because <laughs> it's our wedding. The sign of a great I wedding. Know, it was so much fun. And the the funny part about it is we left quite the party at 530 in the morning. It was still going. (laughs) And I, you know, we just went right to sleep in this little bunkhouse. And I wake up the next morning after our wedding and there's like four other cowboys like asleep on the couch, asleep in the other bed, asleep on the floor. And I'm just like, that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and that really is, I think one of the greatest things though about rodeo is that it's such a community of people. You, it, it's like one big extended family, right? And some of the best people you'll ever meet, because if you were passing through somewhere, any one of those people would let you sleep on the floor oh, yeah. for a few hours. Exactly. Jake has stayed at every single one of their houses at some point. It's a rotating yeah. service. <laughs> okay. So then you mentioned that you're kind of shifting your focus this year to supporting Jake more um, or having more time to be able to do that. Yeah. And that's, that's something I haven't completely figured out. I'm navigating that. I feel so much like the last three years going on four years, Jake has been so supportive of whatever I need to do for Cowboy Channel or for work even before I was with Cowboy Channel. And I try to support him too, and I'm working on it, but a lot of times it's me working and he's riding and I didn't even get to watch it because I was interviewing somebody or, you know, a lot of things happening or I wasn't there or I'm at another job. And so I'm kind of trying to figure out, okay, I need to go watch him ride a little bit. Honestly, I saw him ride as a spectator one time last year. One time. Yeah. At Houston. I got to go to Houston as just the bronc rider girlfriend. And then other than that, I'd never, cause I was at a rodeo for work every time. And yeah. so that's kind of a little bit, I feel a little bit unfair. I'm trying to figure out how to 
still have my thing while also making sure that he feels supported and like what he does is important because it's extremely important. And, and so we're working on that and I'm, he's never expressed this. I don't think I've even expressed this to him, but I want to be there. It's something that I don't want to miss out on. And yeah. yeah, eventually we'll start a family and that's kind of the big part of it all. Yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the things that I keep hearing is kind of a shared feeling is that this, the time that these cowboys or cowgirls will compete is relatively small. I mean, their window, especially for somebody who's like a bronc rider, it's so physically demanding um, that he's more than likely, I'm not that I'm doubting him, but more than likely (laughs) he isn't going to be riding bucking horses when he's 50, you know? No, I hope not. (laughs) So this, this window that you get to be there and maybe even the window where you get to be there before you start your family, just the two of you and have more freedom to be able to go anywhere, like is kind of small. So it, it probably feels pretty, I don't know, special to be able to embrace that more or put put a little bit more of your focus on to just being there? Yeah, I want to be a little bit more mentally there. I feel like whenever I was working, it, work kind of consume, you know, consumes me. I take what I do super, super seriously. Jake knows that. He's super supportive of that. But I couldn't focus on both very well. And so I'm wanting to still have my own thing and still work and still do all that but be a little bit more mentally there with him to talk about his rides and talk about things and what's going on with his schedule. I haven't really been that involved in the schedule. Not that I want to be involved in it. It's his schedule, yeah. but just be a little bit more aware of where he is and where he's going and how he's doing. And it's, it's a balance all in itself. So, and he helps me so much with my work and my horses. He rides my barrel horses. He's super handy. He's been breaking colts for me. And so I need to figure out where uh, where my role is going to be. I mean, boyfriend material be damned. He sounds like really great husband material. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's been so good. I never knew how bad how badly I needed somebody that knows and loves horses because he knows and loves horses maybe more than me. So that's good. One thing that I keep hearing you bring up, which I think is really important, is balance. Because, I mean, regardless of whether or not you're in any aspect of the Western industry or not, balance in life is so important and can be so difficult to achieve. But the rodeo lifestyle is so extreme and so unpredictable on pretty much every level that finding that balance can be really difficult. There's no routine in rodeo. That's the hard part. So many people, like I, I, most of my really close friends growing up aren't in the industry, kind of like what you said about friends in California. Mm -hmm. I have so many that didn't grow up in it, don't do it. They, you know, think it's cool that Jake rides bucking horses, but that's pretty much the extent of it. And they're, I'm like, they're like, can you plan this trip? Or like, let's do a girls weekend or let's do this. And I'm like, I have no idea. I'll let you know like a couple days before if I can go because- I don't know when I'm going to get up at this rodeo or if this schedule is going to change or I have living animals. Everything in rodeo is based off of a living thing. That's the crazy part. Whether it's the horse you draw, the steer you draw, how your horse is feeling in the barrel race. It's just so you can't predict any of it. And you can't have a routine where I wake up every morning and I do this, this and this. Because sometimes you drive all night and then you have to get in this car and 
So it is, it's kind of like you have to just figure out how to find your own mental balance. You can't do the routine balance. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think it's really hard for anybody that is somebody who craves a routine. There just, there is none. Like you said, your schedule isn't planned out that far in advance. You're in the mercy of so much. And, and like you said, the animals, everything around it is dependent upon an animal, which you really can't control despite our best efforts and, and how difficult that is for sure. It just, it's, it's really hard to navigate that. So then trying to maintain balance, like in your career life, in your personal life or relationships is, it feels like the deck is stacked against you most of the time, right? Yeah. And I think that's a lot of why I wanted to move back to the ranch is just to kind of get back to some simplicity a little bit, simplify life, even though it's actually a lot more work, but it's, it does seem more simple and more quiet and we don't even have kids yet. So I have no idea what that's going to look like. I don't know how people do it. I'll probably be calling you every five minutes. (laughs) We're not far. I'll come up and babysit. You need to do a podcast on that because that's, (laughs) I can't even imagine how hard that is. So, you know, like I said, one day at a time, but it is so much fun. I mean, I appreciate it and love it more and more. And the people that you get to meet, that's the highlight. The people and the animals are the greatest thing about this industry, the lifestyle, whether you work in TV or whether you rodeo, it's just, it's unbeatable. It's so much fun. So when you were doing, um, you know, the majority of the work for the Cowboy Channel and you're traveling a lot for them and you're constantly surrounded by rodeo, you're constantly talking about it, you're analyzing it, you're breaking it down. Did that help you to feel more connected to rodeo or less? There were aspects of it that were more and then aspects of it that were less, if that makes any sense. It was kind of like... It's hard to just constantly talk about barrel horses and rodeo and all these things and know that you haven't ridden a horse in how long and then you go back to your hotel room. You're not going on to the next rodeo and you're kind of stuck at the city and you feel connected because you see the people, but then you say bye. It's like, hi, bye, and they're on to the next one and you're still there. You feel less connected on a personal level? Yeah, I guess that would be the right way. Yeah, it was kind of difficult to find that connection to it. I did feel for a period of time when I wasn't coming back home in between, you know, I did, what did I do? I did Reno, Calgary, and then Salinas back to back to back pretty much. And went in studio in between. And that was kind of, of course, that's the busy time. And I Mm -hmm. think rodeo cowboys start to feel this way too, at that time of year, they just kind of feel drained. Yeah. And um, I was feeling pretty drained by then and kind of like I had nothing left to say I'm like I've said everything I've asked every question and you just want to go back and actually ride your own horse oh I'm sure it's like you're kind of immersed in it but in the same way your strong personal connection that's there with your love for your horses and your love for competing like that element is sort of removed and so I did you feel just burnt out without refueling, being able to refuel like what you, what you, the part you were really passionate about? Yes, truly. Just kind of feeling disconnected from it a little bit in terms of the ranching and the actual interacting with animals and feeling like you're making progress in your own life. I will say that the summer Calgary Stampede was the greatest part for me though, because that broadcast, you got to be there. 
something about that rodeo and the way that that team works together, you get to cover rodeo in kind of a different way versus normal rodeos. We go and we have one camp. I go by myself. I have one cameraman and it's just question, interview, interview, interview. Versus at Calgary, we did the pre-show and we did the commentary and we did the interviews and you're around a team of people. And that was good for me. That was so one of the greatest experiences of my life is working in a team of people. I think that was the hard part about the Cowboy Channel stuff is you're kind of by yourself most of the year. You know, NFR, you're part of a team. Calgary, you're part of a team. And so you feel more connected Mm -hmm. when you're around those people versus being kind of completely by yourself at those other rodeos. You're not by yourself. You're meeting new people, but it's not the same when it's not like your team. Right. I think that's that's definitely a huge part of it because like we've said several times, the community is the best part of, you know, of rodeo. Um, So do you have any like favorite rodeo stories? I mean, they could be good or bad or anything just like really of your lifetime, your rich lifetime of rodeo. (laughs) Do you have any stories that you can send us out on? Yeah, I actually asked Jake this last night. I said, do we have any rodeo stories? Like, what's a cool rodeo story that we have together? Did he say uh, ones that we can tell to the public? (laughs) Yes, he did. He (laughs) goes, uh, Weatherford, Texas was the best. We had just moved to Weatherford, Texas. And I think this was 2020. So it was my first year with Cowboy Channel. And I was kind of getting my feet off the ground. I hadn't worked any. We worked the American. I did the American. But that was, other than that, I hadn't done any, like, substantial rodeos for Cowboy Channel yet. And uh, I was running barrels because I my house is just down the road from the Weatherford Rodeo Arena. Jake won the bronc riding. So I got to interview Jake in the bronc riding. He was like drenched in sweat. It was so hot in Weatherford. <laughs> he hates the photos because he's like beet red. When you were starting to say it was so hot, I was thinking you meant like, oh, it was so hot. Like you, oh. just, you just won. He was covered in sweat. <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't attractive, but (laughs) it was temperature hot. (laughs) It was a, it was very temperature hot in Weatherford, Texas. It was, you know, right in June. And so I interviewed him in the bronc riding and then I like hauled butt to go get on my horse and ran barrels. And I think I placed in the barrel race and made it back to do the bull riding interview. And it was just like, this is what it's all about. This is the best day ever. And we had just moved there and it was cool firing on all cylinders and it all comes it's like one of those rare rodeo moments where everything's just like working together and feels so good right yeah and in 2020 weatherford texas could have been you know the calgary stampede it felt like the biggest rodeo ever even though it's kind of a smaller one (laughs) but that was one of my favorites that's a really good one that's one of those ones that'll stick with you for a long time yeah, yeah. And we've got lots of pictures, so that's always good. Even though I'm not allowed to show them because he was so sweaty. <laughs> well, Janie, thank you so much for being here and talking with us today. It was so great to get to know more about you. Thank you. It was fun. I hope you've had as much fun as I have listening to the heartwarming stories, adventures, mishaps, and life lessons from the arena and beyond. Now that you're officially a member of our Big Rodeo family, It would mean so much to us if you could take a moment to leave a rating and a written review. I'm passionate about putting these stories out into the world, and I love hearing your feedback. Knowing exactly what you want to hear more of or how an episode resonated with you helps us to continue to grow and, most importantly, share even more of our wild rodeo lives. (laughs) 